Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Job, if you will, tonight. Job chapter 17. Job is a very, very interesting insight into the reality of life. And how many of you know that uh, life has a bad habit of extracting from us uh, peace of mind, well-being, has a habit of uh, things uh, not turning out the way that we had hoped or would expected them to be. Uh, if you are uh, uh, knowledgeable today, you pick up a newspaper, uh, you find uh, out, you know, there was a day when you minded your own business and you stayed out of pubs. Uh, you're fairly safe, isn't that right? But now I pick up the paper and find out meat cleavers or uh, people are just minding their own business and, uh, and uh, people are grabbing people, beating them up. And uh, life is like that sometimes. It has a habit of extracting from us uh, all of our sense of well-being, peace of mind, uh, have disappointments, we have reversals, we have betrayals, we have discouragements and Tonight we're looking at a man, and uh, this man is, uh, is having some major problems in life, named Job. And uh, as I uh, uh, examine this, I want to uh, uh, just take the time with you to take a look at uh, some words that this man speaks. Job 17, we catch him in the middle of the trials of life. Job 17, verse 11. He says, my days are past, my purposes are broken off. Even the thoughts of my heart, they change the night into day, the light is near. They say in the face of darkness, if I wait for the grave is my house, if I make my bed in the darkness, if I say to corruption, you're my father, and to the worm, you're my mother and my sister, where then is my hope? As for my hope, who can see it? Will they go down to the gates of hell? So here's a man that's having a bad day. Can you say amen? Things aren't going the way that he uh, expects him to go. And uh, he records these words. And I want to just take off for a moment and talk about a dimension that God puts in our heart uh, that is beyond the circumstances of life. Uh, and I want to preach to you about eternity in our hearts. Now, here we find a man, if I want to uh, 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 talk with you for a moment, who, uh, who has experienced the loss of hope. You know Human beings uh, tonight uh, function on reference points. We have people that uh, we reference off of. We have words that we reference off of. We sometimes, uh, the news, uh, uh, we reference off the news, and the news is not good today. Uh, And we gain perspective out of the relationships of life. The words that we hear and uh, words form a very great part of our outlook on life. Job has three friends that have gathered around as he's having difficulties in life. 
And they're not helping things much. In Job 19 and verse 2, he says, How long will you torment my soul and break me in pieces with words? So have you ever ever had a friend or acquaintance that that's, uh, that's what you could say after they talked to you? You said, <laughs> it's all over. Or am I just alone? So here's a man that is fighting this business of hope and expectation. And here's a man that has resigned himself to his fate, uh, at least some of the time. And as he writes these words, it's not the only place he says that, but he sees no hope uh, in life. Uh, and he repeats these words, where is uh, my hope? In the book of Job chapter 7 in verse 6, says, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent uh, without hope. Now, if you've ever seen anybody weaving, doing actual weaving on a rug frame, uh, the, the, uh, the name of the game is uh, you, have to, you have to do this uh, very rapidly. I, we were in, uh, in Turkey with the uh, uh, Seven Churches Revelation trip, and one of the things, we went into a Turkish rug factory, and it was, a, it was a fascinating thing to watch these ladies as they're actually uh, putting these uh, Persian uh, rugs together or Turkish rugs together and this, uh, the, these carpet. And their hands move just very rapidly. Uh, the weaver's shuttle, uh, they're, they're weaving this. And so here's Job. And he says, this is, uh, this is the way my life is. At, uh, every time I turn around, a day's gone. But as the day goes, I see no hope that comes uh, out of that. Uh, and uh, there's a, a tendency that we have in life to control life. How many of you know that? We like to be able to control the factors of life. We want to be able to lay hold of finances. We want to be able to uh, control the people that we relate to. We want to connect with the right people so that things are going to turn out right for us. We want to be able to uh, have enough material wealth to be secure. And uh, there's a tendency that we have to control life. And the reason is that we want to secure or have hope for our future. And this is a natural part of life. I could give you many illustrations, but, uh, but uh, for the, uh, the space of time, I won't. I notice that uh, something is happening. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. I, don't, I haven't listened to the radio since I've been here, but uh, I'm going back and forth in my uh, trip to downtown errands in the U.S., I'd listen. And very frequently, they have, uh, have uh, advertisements to buy gold. Is that true in Australia? Okay. So I haven't listened to the radio here. I'm not sure if even get how to get it on in a vehicle. But at any rate, uh, uh, they're advertising gold. And the reason they're advertising gold is that people are losing confidence in money. And the reason they're losing confidence in money is they're losing confidence in their banks. And it's not really a good outlook today because the chickens have come home to roost in the economic realm. Years of greed. Uh, years of financial irresponsibility, of writing hot checks uh, from the government to the banks to the individual, uh, living uh, on credit is coming home to roost. And it's a very shaky uh, outlook uh, financially today. But this is not only true in the financial realm. This is true in every uh, circumstance of life. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken uh, tonight as you and I are seated in this building as the Bible prophesies uh, and it looks like it's coming to pass. Every single institution uh, is being shaken. The governments are being shaken. 
Uh, there are problems of government. They don't know what to do. They actually, if you, you read one day, the, the, the politicians will say this, and the next day they say something totally the opposite, which gives us an understanding that they really don't know what they're doing. They're just hoping somehow to muddle through. And uh, every institution is being shaken. Families are being shaken. Uh, uh, marriages are being shaken. Homes are uh, uh, being shaken. The social fabric is being shaken. I, as I remarked, uh, I think it, w- it was yesterday in the paper, here's uh, two individuals that have uh, been slashed and attacked, uh, minding their own business. Uh, and as I say, there used to be a day uh, when you stayed out of bars, you didn't pick a fight with anybody, and minded your own business, you were fairly safe, uh, and life went along and flowed. But those days are gone forever. And Jesus said uh, uh, that uh, uh, in the last days, it'll be as, as it was in the days of Noah's. The earth will be filled with violence. Uh, perilous times will come. And uh, so, But we're looking at an individual here, Uh, And as he's experiencing the ups and downs of life, his name is Job. You know his uh, story. Uh, He has business. He has herds. He has family. Uh, He has all of these things. uh, And uh, in just a matter of days, these are stripped from him. And even his health is gone. uh, And we find him uh, in chapter 17. uh, And he's in a very bad state of mind. And he's lost hope. Now, this brings me to uh, uh, come to grips with uh, the realities of what you and I need to focus on in life. There's a constant pull that you and I have to the temporal. Now, how many of you are believers and you believe you're saved? Let me see your hand. Okay. Believers uh, uh, are supposed to be oriented to another time frame and another dimension. But the difficulty is that we, uh, if we're not very careful... We become uh, trapped. Uh, We become creatures in time. And we're ruled by the temporal. And Jesus admonished us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body. What you'll put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. This does not mean you should not work at a job or think about uh, supporting your family. But he's talking about the focus of life, uh, and the focus of life should be a dimension that rises above and transcends uh, this present uh, material world, and to believe in Jesus Christ uh, uh, by all means ought to capture your attention to another dimension, uh, and it ought to cause the priority of your life to be focused uh, upon a spiritual and eternal dimension. So when you do that, that gives us a correct perspective and it brings us into reality and brings us down to realize that we've been trapped in the temporal or the, or the material rather than the eternal and the spiritual. And in this scripture in, in Job chapter 17, verses 15 and 16, we didn't read, we read, let me read that one translation. Where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? Will it go down to the gates of death? Will we descend together into the dust? We have a man who attended our church some years ago, him and his wife, and he was very active in drama. And Prescott, Arizona has a courthouse plaza right in the center of the city, as a lot of the old cities used to have. It's a center of life. It's a whole city block and a courthouse in the middle, beautiful trees, beautiful lawn, benches there for people sitting. And uh, this man was involved in drama. Now, catch this picture. Uh, 
He used to blacken his face, nothing but his eyes showing out, and put on a uh, hooded uh, garment, reached down, and he's depicting the grim, grim reaper. Now, catch this picture. Here he is. He's got this garment on, nothing looking out but a black face, his eye, eyeball, and he has a scythe in his hand. And he used to go sit down to, uh, uh, to, uh, by somebody sitting, minding their own business in the plaza, enjoying the trees and the birds, sitting down by them and looking over at them and saying, do you ever think about me? Now, that's enough to cause you to think, isn't it? <laughs> Sam Atkinson. Here in Ecclesiastes, there is a statement that is made in verse 11, Ecclesiastes 3.11. He, God, has made everything beautiful in his time. He also has planted eternity in men's heart and mind, a divinely implanted sense of a purpose working through the ages, which nothing under the sun but only God can satisfy, yet so that man cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Now think about that statement for a moment, uh, because here in Ecclesiastes, uh, Ecclesiastes is the preacher, he focuses upon this dimension and he makes this statement that God has planted eternity or a dimension of eternity in every man's heart, in every woman's heart. So here's Sam, sits down, he's got his size with him, he's dressed up as the grim reaper death, uh, looks over and says, do you ever think about me? Well, I want to tell you that uh, men oftentimes don't want to think about the grim reaper. However, there is something in every man's heart, there's something in every person's heart that they must come to grip with that because every person knows instinctively that there's another dimension besides this present world, and this is especially true, and we need to come to grips with that when the difficulties of life come and hope is stripped away from us. We're betrayed, perhaps, by family. We have uh, been uh, uh, unsuccessful, or perhaps we've had a very bad business uh, 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 transaction that has not gone well for us, and perhaps we've lost a great deal of money or our life saving as sometimes happens. Or perhaps we have uh, come into uh, a circumstance where uh, our health no longer is what it should be, and suddenly we're brought face to face with the difficulty of that. Uh, but man instinctively knows. Uh, that there's another dimension besides this present life, uh, and it is the mercy of God that is in those times when we come face to face with that, uh, that we honestly uh, begin then to think about eternity uh, and another dimension. And this happens sometimes by the mercy of God. He brings events uh, whereby we're brought face to face with our frailty. Uh, and we begin to think about eternity. Now, in this text that we have here, we are wanting to point out, there, there are people that have near-death experiences. Very interesting. If you ever read about uh, people who have near-death experiences, uh, that uh, when they think they're going to die, their whole life flashes before them. Have you heard the testimony of that? Or people who uh, feel like they've, uh, they've uh, almost died 
and then come back to life. It has a profound change or profound effect upon them. And many of them, it changes their life from that point forward. Their life has changed because they've begun to consider eternity. When I was a young convert, I used to hear quartets that would sing a song. I don't know the, the total word, but the words went like this, face to face with God, my Savior. Face to face, what will it be? Now, that's kind of an echo tonight of something that we need to come to grips with. Here's Job. Job has suffered uh, some uh, very bad experiences uh, in life uh, to bring him to this place. Uh, and all hope has uh, disappeared from him. Uh, and he writes this, uh, these statements and some others which we're going to consider for a moment. Uh, because here as he experiences uh, these things in life, bursting out of his subconscious... Uh, come some very interesting words uh, and one of those statements uh, if a man die shall he live again and this is one of the great questions uh, uh, that each of us are going to have to wrestle with and it's interesting that uh, many times it's in these places when uh, we are facing difficulties we have no solution for at the moment that we're brought face to face with that uh, and more importantly, and this comes bursting out of his subconscious as that's there, more importantly is this statement that comes out, how can a man be right with God? In Job chapter 9 and, uh, and uh, 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 verse 2, he says, truly I know it's so, but how can a man be righteous uh, before God? It's often in the problems of life that in the mercy of God, who will bring us because he cares about us, because he wants us to live with him in eternity, because he wants us to be right with him, that in the circumstances of life that we face that, and it's in the mercy of God that we face that question honestly. If a man dies, shall he live again? And how can a man be right with God? Now, I want to focus with you for a moment on the wonderful hope that you and I have in God as believers. You know, the Bible, as I've said before, is God's self-revelation. It is the record. This Bible is a record of real people in the experiences of real life and a loving God and a redeeming Savior that is working with people in a lost world to redeem them, to buy them back from chaos, from uh, the, uh, 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 the horrible things of life, that the disappointments and the difficulties, uh, and to restore them to what he wants them to be. In this book that I hold in my hand, dead things are made alive. Can you say amen? In this book that I hold in my hand, lost things are restored. And no wonder that this book is called the greatest story that has ever been told because it's a real God dealing with and relating to real people in the circumstances of life. However, as we begin to think about this, our focus is going to have to change. And this is why I talk to you about uh, the uh, eternity being in every man's heart. There is a, a, a segment of eternity. God has put in every single human being that we know instinctively that there's something besides this present life. Uh, and it's the mercy of God that brings us face to face with that. Uh, and the focus that we have must change uh, so 
that God can bring to us a dimension where there is now no hope. As for me, Job says, now who shall see it? Listen to uh, verses 25 through 27 of Job 19. For I know, now this is a man who's, ha- who's, who's having some very bad experiences. Loss of his business, loss of his children, loss of his wealth, uh, loss of his health. Uh, even his wife is saying to him, why don't you just curse God and die? He's having a very bad day. Listen to, in the midst of this, here comes out this revelation of God. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. My eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Now think about that for a moment, because the book of Job, 42 chapters of wrestling with the great questions of life, his friends are not bringing him any comfort. They're accusing him of sin. If he did just confess his sin, things would be all right. He's wrestling with that. And yet in the midst of this struggle of life, he has a tremendous revelation that very few will record. And he has a vision. And that vision and that revelation is of Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. And he writes that down in the book of Job. And he said, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last day, he's going to stand upon the earth. My eyes are going to see him. And though my skin, my body may waste away, it does not matter. I'm going to see him and I'm going to be living when I see him. That's one of the great revelations of the Bible. And it brings us to an astonishing pondering of the mighty workings of God upon the human soul. God is revealed in the scripture as the God of hope. I don't know tonight uh, what may be your circumstances. We have uh, uh, several hundred people seated here and I don't know what your circumstances may be. You may be uh, tonight locked in the difficulties of life. You may be in a problem that you are wrestling with as you came into this service tonight. There's no solution. I can't tell you uh, this evening the solution, but I can tell you who has the solution. And he's called the God of hope. Listen to Romans 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. How many musicians do we have here? Let me see your hand. Musicians. Okay, there's a few. The rest of us can't play a beat on a gut bucket. So uh, that's the way things go. But uh, I'm quite interested as I observe uh, musicians and, uh, and music. And I was, uh, was kind of thinking about this as I was preparing this sermon. Uh, because music is revelatory. It, it reveals the heart of the person who writes a song. Isn't that true? Uh, there's a song that uh, used to be sung. Uh, it's a song of self-pity. Nobody knows the troubles I've seen. Well, that, that's a bit of self-pity. We don't, have to, we don't have to have a revelation or do a research to find out. Whoever wrote that song wrote it out of self-pity uh, because uh, there are probably a lot of people that uh, knows the troubles that you've seen and troubles that are worse. And I'm preaching from a man who had more troubles than you'll ever see. There's another song uh, that's very interesting. It, uh, uh, you know, there are only two types of good music in the world. One is country and the other is western. 
And if you, I'm dating myself because I'm not really a musician. So did you ever hear the, uh, the Somebody Done Me Wrong song? Anybody ever hear that? Somebody Done Me Wrong song? That's a country western song. Uh, I kind of like hillbilly music myself. And so uh, then there's one came out after the, the Vietnam War. And uh, you probably have heard that. It's, uh, this is dating me because uh, some of you weren't even born when that was all going on. And it's called Ruby. Don't take your love to town. Here's a man. Anybody ever hear that? Let me see you say. Okay, so I'm still, I'm still among the living here, okay? <laughs> uh, there's a hillbilly song that I heard many, many years ago. And uh, apparently this, uh, this song was written by a believer. From, uh, uh, it sounds by the tone of the song from West Virginia, where there's a lot of hillbillies live in West Virginia. And uh, uh, the writer of this song had come on a car wreck. And as he'd come on a car wreck, apparently there were some people that were killed in that car wreck. Uh, and uh, the author of this undoubtedly uh, was a believer and uh, wrote a song. Some of the words uh, was, uh, the blood and the whiskey flow together, but I didn't hear anybody pray. Very stunning Hillbilly song. He didn't use words like I use. He sung through his nose. <laughs> and blood and the whiskey run together, <laughs> but I didn't hear nobody pray. I didn't hear nobody pray, my brother. I didn't hear nobody pray. The blood and the whiskey run together, but I didn't hear nobody pray. <laughs> Cut a CD next week, it'll be in there. <laughs> but I was pondering that as I was preparing this sermon because uh, music is very revelatory. And so are words because words generally are accompanied with music and songs that are written and it reveals the heart of the writer. And here in this text, we have a tremendous revelation because we find a man... And this man has no hope. He writes it very clearly. He writes about the difficulties of life. Uh, but I want to tell you, hope uh, is the very essence of this book. Hope covers all the circumstances of life. It covers difficulties over which you and I have no control, which are many. It covers the failures of human beings that have failed God miserably. Uh, and it covers the circumstances where the confrontation of evil uh, we have uh, very little ability to deal with. And the book of uh, Esther uh, is the uh, story of a decree from an evil king. And that evil king gives a decree that all the Jewish people are to be killed and die by a certain date. And a man named Mordecai, who knew God, addresses a challenge to Esther, his niece, and challenges her to enter into the arena and begin to intervene. But he said these tremendous words, lock these down because this is a man that knew God. And he said, I know that deliverance and enlargement will arise. If you don't act, God's going to help us. And here's a man who knew God. Here's a man who knew the power of prayer. Here's a man who knew what God could do. Uh, and he writes these words to, uh, to Esther. Deliverance uh, 
and enlargement shall arise. Thank God. I've got hope tonight. Do you have hope tonight? I've got hope. There's a resurrection from the dead. How many of you know that? Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, he begins to speak of the rapture. And as he begins to speak that, he's speaking to people who've lost a loved one and they're disappointed because Jesus has not come and their loved ones have passed on into eternity and they're sorrowing because they'd expected the Lord Jesus to come and then he writes to them and he says to them that you do not sorrow like others who have no hope. We have a hope tonight. Can you say amen? That hope is not in this world necessarily. It goes beyond this world. And any of you who've ever left, lost loved ones, there's a tremendous comfort. And he writes that because he says, when Jesus comes, they're going to come with him and we meet them in the air. And he writes that tremendous statement as a comfort for those of us who've lost loved ones. This is the God of hope. Now, most importantly, this is what I want to focus on tonight, uh, is I want you to focus on God because he is the God of hope. Listen to uh, to the book of of, of Psalms, chapter 42 and verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his his, uh, uh, countenance. So here is another human being. Here's another writer. Here's another person who relates to God and is having a bad day, apparently. And he's writing this and saying, why are you so cast down? You need to rise up. You need to put your confidence in God because he's a God of hope. And I shall praise him who is my help. There's another verse of scripture. That's in Psalms 119, 81. My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. Now tonight, as you and I are seated in this building, as I said again, I don't know your your individual personality. I don't know what it is that you may be going through, but I want to tell you, I want you to fasten upon God. God is a God of hope. I could preach on and on about other scriptures. And hope that is seen is not hope. But you see, there's something that dwells in the heart of a person who has made Christ their Savior and who has fled for refuge, the Bible says, to Jesus Christ. And that dimension is that they have an expectation that God is going to work. How many of you have an expectation that God's going to work? He's going to work in life. And the Apostle Paul writes in the book of Hebrews, I believe it's Hebrews chapter 6, And he talks about uh, an anchor of the soul. And that anchor of the soul is Jesus Christ who has entered in beyond the veil. And he says, we have this anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, uh, and which enters into that which is within the veil where the forerunner is for us uh, entered, uh, even Jesus. Tremendous imagery that he gives there. And that imagery is in the storms of life, in the raging circumstances that would strip you of every confidence, of any ability, of your own personality to be able to change the thing. He says, you need to believe in Jesus. 
And the Hebrews were getting a little shaky. They had believed in Jesus, but they're, they're being tested. They're, 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 what they're, their reference points are being shaken. And he's writing to them and he's saying to them, you need to look to Jesus. Jesus has entered into that beyond the veil. And we have this hope or this expectation that because he's entered into the, into beyond the veil, that he has secured for us a security and a confidence that God is going to work things in our behalf. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.